No matter if points are gained or points are lost, there will be much to discuss. For analysis regarding tonight's Winnipeg Jets game, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve post-game show starts now. Good evening, Winnipeg. Good evening, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this evening at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue, as well as our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good evening, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve post-game show with Dave Manouk, with Ezra Ginsberg, and so many of our Illegal Curve friends and family. Make some noise, Boston Pizza! There you go. Great crowd down here live at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue watching the Winnipeg Jets and the Toronto Maple Leafs in what was a one nothing Toronto victory. A disappointing result because the Jets, I think, in my estimation, and I'm sure Ezzy and Dave, I want to hear what they have to say about this as well, probably deserved better than the result that they got, particularly through the first 30 or so minutes of this game when they really controlled the play. Dave, good evening to you. Ezzy, good evening to you. Great to be with you live here at Boston Pizza for another one of our great illegal curve live on location watch parties followed by the live broadcast of the post-game show. Yeah, what's up, boys? Great intro, Drew. And yeah, clearly the Jets deserve better in this game. And you know, Drew, you mentioned the first period, like the Jets not only could have had a couple of goals, they could have had four or five goals. Like it seemed like the Maple Leafs forgot that this was a seven o'clock PM Eastern start. It was ridiculous. Um, Ilya Samsonov, obviously a guy who has not had the greatest year. Um, that's why right now, Joseph Wall is arguably, you know, number one in the Maple Leafs goaltending rotation, but he's of course, just coming back from injury now. And you've got Martin Jones backing up Ilya Samsonov, but I mean, Samsonov stole this game, boys. Like, there's really no other way you can explain it. It's almost like the first game we did here at Boston Pizza Taylor when Jacob Markstrom stole the season opener uh, against the Calgary Flames, right? So I think, you know, considering that you had no Mark Shifley and no Gabe Velarde, and, oh, by the way, you lost Josh Morrissey in the first period, uh, I, I think you got to be you know, pretty excited if you're a Jets fan with how well they played. I mean, yeah, there were parts of that second period you didn't like, the third period, and obviously the power plays, the officiating, I think we would all agree was a little suspect. I'm sure we'll see it in the chat here. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is just one of those nights, guys, where you have to take your hat off and give a lot of credit to Ilya Samsonov. And, you know, obviously, you know, the Jets get the late power play into overtime, um, and Nikolai Ehlers has that glorious chance um, and then Mason Appleton has another glorious chance, Dave, and, you know, he misses the net, right? So there were a lot of the high-danger chances were clearly in the Jets' favor. Uh, they just couldn't solve Ilya Samsonov tonight. Yeah, it was, it was definitely an interesting game. I mean, you, if you're a Jets fan, you're, you're a little frustrated by how good Ilya Samsonov played, but ultimately you, you're, I guess you're happy that you were able to do this without Mark Shifley, without Gabriel Velarde, and without Josh Morrissey. I mean, you had a majority of your guys out of the lineup that are your big, your big horses. Leafs, not so much, and the Jets had an excellent game. So from a, from a Jets fan's perspective, of course you want to win, but ultimately you're sitting there thinking to yourself, you know, Ilya Samsonov, you got goalie tonight. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And Lauren Brassois I thought was excellent. I thought Lauren Brassois made a number. He didn't get tested early, but the saves he made were all very good saves. But ultimately, I mean, guys, it's exactly what happened. Sure, you can complain about the penalties, and I think that's valid. But ultimately, 
to me, this was a game where you have to focus on, you know, the way the goaltending was. And, and ultimately, to me, Ilya Samsonov stole that game. Yeah, you know, I, I would agree with your assessment. I mean, this is, you know, it, you know for so many years, we've seen it, Connor Hellebuck uh, do this to other to other teams. And it got done to the Jets today by Ilya Samsonov, a guy who you would not expect to put forth this kind of performance given the uh, rocky, I'm being charitable, season that he's had in net for the Toronto Maple Leafs, where he's been sort of sent away from the team to sort of find himself for a while. Well, ever since he came back, I, I can see the, the it's on the, on the screen behind me or in front of me, I guess, depending on the perspective, two in one, uh, 1.3 goals against uh, 944 save percentage. So he's been playing some great hockey since his return. And he's the only reason that this was a close game, that this game got to overtime to begin with. The Jets were dominant uh, to start this game. They were dominant for the first 25 minutes or so until they ran into some penalty trouble uh, in the second period. And that's sort of where the momentum or their their momentum at least got stifled at that point, I thought. Because right up until the Jets sort of started taking those penalties in the second period, they, they I mean, what were the shots on goal? The shots on goal, were, the Leafs had six shots on goal and the Jets were what, like 20, 21 shots on goal? And, and you know, it was reflective of the, the play of the game. That's how in control the Jets were. They just couldn't solve Ilya Samsonov tonight. Full marks to him. But if you're the Winnipeg Jets and you were wondering, you know, how are you going to bounce back after the disappointment of uh, Monday night in Boston? How are you going to respond with no Shifley, no Velarde again? Then you lose Morrissey very early in the game. The Jets have to be happy with the result because you're not going to get goalied like that on a night Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned the power plays, and that's where the Leafs started to kind of take the momentum back, boys. But it really wasn't until the first penalty in the, the third period, that was when Brendan Dillon had that illegal check to the head on Callie Yorncroke. They had four shots on that power play, but on the first three power plays for the Leafs, they only had a combined, I think, three or four shots, right? So, I mean, the Jets' penalty kill was excellent tonight. It really was. Um, and, you know, we talked about this on Saturday morning show, right? Like, or at least I mentioned this, that I'm much more concerned about the Jets' power play as opposed to the penalty kill. And I think it was on display tonight. I mean, the Jets' penalty kill has been much better in the last, let's say, 10 to 15 games um, than it were, was in the first 30 games or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, you give a team enough power plays, and we saw that, as I mentioned, in the third period when um, Austin Matthews had a really good chance, John Tavares had a really good chance. And Lauren Bassois, by the way, Drew mentioned uh, Ilya Samsonov, who obviously gets the shutout. But I mean, Bassois was what? a couple minutes away from a shutout himself, right, guys? So I think you have to give Brassois a lot of credit for, you know, how he played in net for the Jets. He hadn't played in, what, 10 to 12 days, something like that. So, you know, LB was really good for the Jets. Obviously, we expect Connor Hellebuck to play on Saturday. Uh, there's no reason to think Brassois is going to get a second consecutive start. I mean, unless the Jets are trying to rest Hellebuck for the All-Star game, which I'm obviously kidding. But, you know, Dave, I think you overall are – you're happy with the way you played um, because let's be honest. I mean, the, I mean, sure. I mean, I know we're getting it in the chat here. The jets are having trouble scoring goals and obviously they didn't get any goals tonight, but it wasn't for, you know, lack of, of high quality chances. Right. I don't even know if we've talked about the two on O yet. Um, I, I don't know if I've seen that uh, this year from the jets where they get a two on O in the penalty kill. Uh, a short hand like two on O. Yeah. <laughs> It was incredible that the Jets didn't score on that play. Uh, you know, Morgan Barron on the rebound, you thought he had that, right? Um, so, again, I mean, I think we're going to say this, Dave, throughout the course of this postgame show, but Ilya Samsonov put 
put in one of those, you know, Vramelka on the Coyotes type of performances. Yeah, I, you know, and, and as he talks about the offense and the, the, you know, obviously being shut out after giving getting only the one goal against Boston is not is not what you want. But I, I, I'm not concerned about the the Winnipeg Jets offense, especially look, they have one game left on on Saturday, and whether or not Shifley and Velarde play on Saturday, we don't know yet, and we'll find out Saturday morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, 9 a.m. here on our YouTube channel. So you can stay tuned for that to find out then. Uh, you know, if they're going to be options for the Jets to wrap up the pre-All-Star break portion of the schedule. But I do think that the Jets' offense is ultimately going to be fine, and I do expect that there's reinforcements coming for the Jets' offense at some point in time before the trade deadline. So I know that, the you know, sometimes the offense is going to dry up. Well, you know, when you take out Velarde and you take out, uh, you know, Shifley from your, from your forward group, the offense is going to be reduced. So I don't think that's a surprise. I don't think that's uh, something uh, of concern. But I do think, look, the Jets played a, su- a, a, a successful brand of hockey in tonight's game. Yes, the result isn't what you want. You get the one point. You want to. You probably deserve to. So you can be disappointed about that. But I think all in all, Dave, you know, the Jets are probably going to say, okay, this is the game. Look. The Maple Leafs are a high-flying offense. They're the Harlem Globetrotters. They're the Showtime Lakers when it comes to offense. And the Jets gave them basically nothing in the course of tonight's game. And, you know, I think that speaks way more to the Jets than it does to anything else. Yeah, I I would agree with you, Drew. And I think that if you're a Jets fan, again, like I said, I think ultimately you're not unhappy with how things have been going. This is, uh, you know, you're, you're in a tough stretch. You lose Josh Morrissey, who's your best defenseman. You don't have Mark Shifley. You don't have Gabriel Velarde. We're not making excuses. We're talking, we're talking facts. So people can say, well, oh, you don't have, you're, you're missing your offense. And look, like as he outlined it before the game even began, the Jets need scoring, and they don't have the depth scoring that we talked about that, that sustained this team for as long as it did has dried up. And if you don't believe me, go to ICSEG, check his Twitter, because as before the game, Listed what seven guys who haven't scored in five plus games. And by the way, I wasn't saying that those players, Dave, were having bad seasons. I was just pointing out the fact that guys like Niederreiter and, and IFL haven't scored in you know nine, eleven games. As the facts don't have feelings. So the reality is that you're not you're not trying to insult anyone, you're just trying to strictly give folks some information. And so that's that's just the reality of the current situation right now. Now we do have to talk about the Jets' impressive defensive play. Because, again, I thought tonight, Toronto did start to come in, right? I mean, the shots were at one point, there was a 16-17 shot disparity, and then ultimately Toronto started to nibble away. Now, that was, of course, highly because of the benefit of all those consecutive power plays that they had, that they were gifted from the refs. But ultimately, you have to think about one thing. And to me, it's the fact that I thought the Jets, as a group, continued to, even though they're not scoring defensively, I thought they played a really good game. I thought they played a stifling game against a high-powered Toronto team. Well, to your point, Dave, two, that's it. Two high danger chances for the Toronto Maple Leafs at five on five in the course of tonight's game. And yes, they had some power. They had their, 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 their power play opportunities, but it's not like their power play was, was a firing line or anything along those lines. Even the power play didn't generate uh, that many, uh, that many high danger chances for the, for the Leafs. I mean, they had a grand total of nine high danger chances. Seven of those, uh, two of those came in overtime. When you know it's such an asterisk to, the, to how the game is really played, 
which you know, and then you got seven of uh, of those that came during the re regulation time, which means five high danger chances on the power play. So the Jets stifled and shut down the juggernaut Toronto Maple Leafs offense, as he. I mean, that's just really what they did, and they did that without Shifley and without Bellardi, which just goes to show how committed and how in sync, not the band, what the Jets were defensively to, to to making sure they they had all their details right tonight absolutely drew i mean it's hard to argue with those numbers right like if you take out take out those power plays i mean the leafs like if i was was the leafs i i would be embarrassed with that type of performance in front of my home crowd and obviously there were a lot of jets fans there shout out to harvey manuk who was obviously uh you know sending us some good picks from uh, inside the arena but um Look, the Leafs have been struggling at home, and the Leafs have been – they're in a wild-card spot right now, boys. Like, this is not last year where the Leafs are at the top of the Atlantic division. This Leafs team is now battling with, you know, the likes of the New Jersey Devils, the New York Islanders, the Detroit Red Wings. I mean, nobody's talking about the Red Wings, by the way. Have you noticed that? The Red Wings are currently, uh, I think, third in the division, or they're in a wild-card spot. But uh, regardless, I don't think anybody's picking the Red Wings to be a Stanley Cup contender, right? But, um, yeah, I think you're right, Drew. I think that, you know, the Jets without Shifley and Velarde, and obviously, you know, the big question, boys, now becomes, will those guys play on Saturday in Winnipeg? And obviously, you know, we have absolutely no idea at this point. I mean, it's all you – would, you would be, I think, kidding yourselves, kidding yourself, Dave, if you thought that you had some type of inside knowledge on whether Shifley or Velarde was going to be in the lineup. Uh, maybe you give a bit of an edge or – you know, you'd say that there's a better chance that Velarde was going to be in the lineup, Dave, uh, as opposed to Shifley, just because of the kind of uncertainty about Velarde's injury. But Shifley, we know that, I mean, with a groin, um, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. It's possible he doesn't come back until after the All-Star break. But um, yeah, I, I think, look, sometimes you have to just say that, you know, the Jets got goalied in the first period and they easily could have had three or four goals and, uh, you know, up until a couple minutes left in the overtime, it looked like we were going to see a shootout. Maybe the Jets win it. We talked about Ehlers' great chance in the overtime period on the power play. So, yes, I know there are a lot of Jets fans out there and, and here at Boston Pizza who are disappointed that they lost, but at least they got a point, right? Hey, look, had, the, had this been a regulation time loss, it really would have been a lot, a lot more uh, upsetting uh, for for people, uh, you know, than rather than getting the point in, in overtime. The point is important, and the Jets will gladly take it because they deserve uh, that point that they that they got in the course of tonight's game. We are live here at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue, the Illegal Curve post game show, the Illegal Curve watch party. Great crowd joining us here at. Boston Pizza. We will want to remind people that uh, $1 from every heart-shaped pizza sold on Valentine's Day and uh, from the salted caramel panookie. I've ever I've had the panookie. It's a good cookie. It's like a cookie that comes on a big pan. Uh, that's being donated to the Travis Price Children's Heart Center at the Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba. So, of course, Boston Pizza doing their great job giving back to the community. So, you know, again, the heart-shaped pizzas on Valentine's Day. Big day if you're looking to spend with a loved one. Come down to Boston Pizza, all your Boston Pizza locations, and they'll take good care of you. And you'll be supporting a great cause as well. Uh, there's only the one goal in tonight's game, but there's still a lot to talk about, as we've already done so far here on the post-game show. Let's get into it with the Betway Game Recap. The Betway Game Recap.
The Betway Game Recap, of course, is brought to you by our friends at Betway, one of the most trusted voices in sports betting, both in Canada and all around the world. If you're looking to place a wager, maybe you think the Jets are going to come out and shellack the Maple Leafs on Saturday in the rematch in downtown Winnipeg, which, by the way, would not surprise me given how the Jets played in tonight's contest, uh, then maybe you want to put some money behind that prediction. Do it with our friends at Betway, a big sponsor, big supporter of us here at Illegal Curve, and we always appreciate their support. Uh, The one goal, of course, is scored in overtime, but we're not going to skip ahead to that. You have to talk about the glorious scoring chances uh, that the Jets had in the course of the game, Dave, Uh, particularly the one that they had a shorthanded, a two-on-0 shorthanded opportunity. And, you know, you don't see something like that very often. And, you know, I'm sitting here, we're watching the game, and I'm like, wait a minute, there's two Jets players. There's no Leafs players around them. I'm like, I got confused for a second. I'm like, are the Jets maybe, you know, are they resetting? Or are they, you know, I was confused as to which way they were going. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, wait, it's a two-on-O shorthanded. Unfortunately, the Jets weren't able to capitalize, which I guess is the story of their game. They were just not able to capitalize on all the various opportunities that they had. Yeah, and it was actually, sorry, boys, I misspoke earlier. I thought it was Baron. Uh, Baron and Appleton. It was actually Baron and Lowry. Uh, and and I mean, I'm not that far off because obviously Appleton kills penalties as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, there were what four or five passes back and forth between Baron and Lowry. And Lowry has the first chance. Samsonov makes a good save, but it was the second chance that I think really you had to watch it a second time and be like, how did Samsonov make that save? It was really incredible. And you're right, Drew. I mean, you rarely see. I mean, you could count on one hand how many times the Jets have had a 2-on-0 while shorthanded since they came back in 2011. Forget, like, this year or last year, right, Dave? So, I mean, that was a fantastic chance. But again, Jets' penalty kill did its job. Lauren Brassois did his job. Um, Ilya Samsonov stole the show in the first period and a little bit in the second and third periods. Um, And that's the reason why the Jets couldn't beat him. So, I mean, that was a glorious chance. But I think, you know... If those guys are talking about that chance after the game, they're probably saying, okay, maybe that was one too many passes. Uh, uh, sorry. I was, Go ahead, Dave. I was, all I was going to say, because I'm watching Ezzy, and he's, you see folks who are not in Boston Pizza can't understand, but we've got the Illegal Curve Hockey postgame show on the big screen, and Ezzy's in split view. So Drew and I are up top like you would expect, but there's like a Because there's a piece of glass right there. Yeah, there's a piece of glass. So Ezzy's face is basically cut in half. He's been bisected. So every time I look up, I'm not looking at Ezzy over to my left. I'm looking at a bisected Ezzy up on the big screen. So uh, we'll, we'll show sense of pictures. That's plexiglass, by the way. Yeah. For those people who aren't here right now, it's the little dividers between the booths at Boston Pizza. So that's why I think it's, it's tripping Dave out. But the reality is I don't think we've ever looked better than we do right now, boys, on that, uh, what is that, 100-foot, 100-inch screen? Not 100-foot. 100 inch screen. <laughs> if it's a 100 foot screen, we got real serious issues we got to deal with. But you, I, I would say that I don't think we're ever supposed to be on a screen that big. It's a little, it is. I'm glad my back is to it so that I don't have to actually look around and see that. That's what Dave and you look have good, to Drew. look at uh, the whole thing. Never look better. Thank you. I appreciate that, Ezzy. That's, that's very kind of you. But yeah, we are having a great time here at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue. They got the, we're, all the fans are here. They got the game up. They got us on the big screen, which again, I'm not sure we should ever be, but uh, nonetheless, we are uh, here. So people and can course- see on your, people can see on your camera because your camera. That's right. I guess the camera is showing it in the background. It, this is so very as- meta of us. I'm not sure. Is this what they mean by the metaverse? Is this is this the metaverse? I never quite understood what the metaverse. Well, we're was. somewhere. 
Yeah. I think we're in the Bruce verse right now, but regardless of where we are, I think that uh, the, the reality is that, look, this is one of those games, to me, again, the fact that it's, it's a, you're looking at that first period again, because obviously we only have the one goal, as you said, Drew, so we're going to have to go back. But to me, like I said, you look at that first period, and if you're a Jets fan, you like the fact that you are missing the two best players on this team. Two of the two of the best players on the team, maybe not two best, but two of the best players on the team. Shifley is a driver, so uh, we know that the Jets need 55. And you took it to Toronto. I mean, Toronto's healthy, right? They had their big. Am, am I wrong? Do they not have? I know John Tavares is on the cold streak. And, I mean, look, I don't want to get too far. Well, we got lots of time to discuss, but pretty much whatever we want. It's our show. We can t- go for however long we want. But for me, I mean, the narrative that was trying to be created today in the media availabilities was painful. And like the questions, and I won't name names because I like the guy who asked the question, but he asked Rick Bonus at one point, he said something like, does Toronto bring out the best in all the teams that they face? I, you, you know, I'm glad I missed that. I didn't hear that, and I'm thankful that I like. Like, are they are they are they are they, are they up their own keisters? That 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 was the questioning that had to be asked in, in, in game media availabilities. I missed that entirely. Thankfully. Well, yeah. it's funny if you if you watch Dave and Drew some of the panels and some of the articles being written about the Toronto Maple Leafs, you would think that they were first in their division and the Jets were in a wild card spot, right? As opposed to the Jets being first in their division and the Leafs being in a wild card spot. I'm not sure, by the way, Dave, I haven't checked the standings if the Leafs are now in third, but regardless, I mean, that <laughs> that uh, division is completely wide open as opposed to the Central, which is which is obviously you know top-heavy with the Jets, Avalanche, and Stars. So, yeah, I know, I know Jets fans aren't going to like the loss, but what were the shots after the first period? Fifteen to four, or something like like it was. It was as one sided. The GF Liverpool is giving me the thumbs up. We got Gregory Liverpool here, so shout out to Gregory. Second Boston Pizza show in a row that he's been here. Um, so again, yes, you have to bury one, but I also think you have to sometimes just say, okay, Samsonov was playing like Dominic Hasek in the late nineties, and. Uh, you know, it's one of those games, like Drew said. I agree with what you said, Drew. If the Jets play like that for the majority of the game on Saturday, Dave, they'll most likely beat the Leafs. Yeah, I, I, I would agree entirely with that. Look, the Jets played the game that they wanted to play. The Jets play a game where their first priority is on the defensive side and, and shutting down the opponent. And they did that. They kept Toronto out of the front of the net. There's no question about it. There's there's a, there's a, there's a sight for sore eyes. Spency eating pizza around. The only way that would have been worse... That was beautiful. Spency, ...is if you, if you actually fed the pizza to Ezzy or they did a baby bird, so the mama bird, baby bird sort of situation where you just feed it into his mouth. I know none of us need to picture that, Dave, but that's what came to my mind. But look, the Jets played the game that they want. Toronto, you know, they get the victory. Fine. But you can see Sheldon Keefe on the screen, like there are, you know, in the highlights that are being played right now. This is, that was his reaction after the, uh, after the two on O shorthanded. I mean, that's an embarrassing lack of attention to detail uh, if you're giving up a two on O shorthanded. That's just, that, that's just a team that's not playing uh, attentive hockey to what the, the, what's no. going on. You're, you're absolutely right, Drew. And again, it, it's a hollow victory. Yeah, you got the two points and you're happy with it. And if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you'll take it. You don't, you don't ever complain. You don't ever, you know, uh, cry over a win. But ultimately, you were defeated by a, a, a you defeated, sorry, a, a fairly undermanned Jets club. And, and you had the benefit of five straight power plays. Five. If it was one, you're like, all right. If it's two, sure. Three, I can live with. Once you get to four, 
like, I'm sorry. And again, as I said in our Illegal Curve Twitter, we're not, ma- again, these are facts. We're not, we're not making this up to make it better for the Jets. But the Jets came into this game as one of the least penalized teams in the NHL. So you're telling me that suddenly they went, they said, you know what, forget about that. You know, the success that we've had because we've not taken a lot of penalties, we're going to throw that out the window. We're just going to start throwing caution to the wind. Sure, you have lesser players in the lineup, but it just doesn't match up with the reality of the game we watched. It seemed like, again, the refs very easily could have, I'm not saying that none of them were penalties, but to go five penalties in a row in, in the NHL seems a little surprising. Yeah, uh, you're right. Look, and, and anytime you see that kind of disparity early on or, or, or at any point in the game, you know, it, it raises your eyebrows because we know that the officials, you know, are, are so focused on game management. They can deny it all they want, but, you know, that they're obviously their denials are, 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 are fraudulent because we know what we see and we know our experience and we know what we watched. So you're right. It was a, there was a sizable disparity in, in the power play, um, you know, I'll give the Jets credit, though. They're penalty kill, and you talked about it, Desi. Look, this is the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is an offensively dynamic team. You know, whatever you think about them, we know the goal scorers that, you know, that dot their roster, and the Jets really just eliminated their power play from being a, a factor in tonight's game. Look, so much of what the Jets did in, in tonight's contest is uh, positive. The end result isn't, and I know that the end result is what matters most. But when you're, you're talking about the difference, I mean, again, it's not a divisional game. It's not a conference game. It's not something you're going to go back and, and rue the missed point at the end of the season because the Jets have done what they've done so far this year. But, you know, for for when they're on the plane back home to Winnipeg for the one game before the end of the, uh, the, end of the uh, pre-All-Star portion of the schedule, this was a positive way to play shorthanded with, without guys in your lineup, Desi. Yeah, you still have to be concerned about the lack of goal scoring, though. I mean, like, you can generate shots all day long, right, boys? But, I mean, you go back to the Ottawa game. I mean, it's not like they exactly, like, they lit the house on fire against the Boston Bruins. Um, I mean, I pointed out the game against the Ducks, where that's kind of when the offense started to dry up, right? That was 2-1 or 3-1. I think they lost 2-1 or 3-1 to San Jose as well. Um, But to me, that's kind of when the offense has started to dry up, right? And Dave was kind of half joking about the tweet that I put out there earlier today. People that don't follow me, basically, I, I was just kind of pointing out the players on the Jets who haven't scored in a while. And Niederreiter, Ayafalo, uh, you know, Perfetti hasn't scored in six now. Lowry hasn't scored in seven. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, how much offense are you going to get out of Adam Lowry? Well, you know, he's been your first line center as of late, right? Um, maybe, you know, third line center or second line center now that he's back with uh, Niederreiter and Appleton. And to me, guys, you know, that's something I don't think we've talked about uh, at all tonight. That was a very good line for the Jets tonight, the Lowry line with Niederreiter and Appleton. And obviously, why wouldn't you expect it to be? Because, you know, prior to that line being broken up and with Shifley and Velarde out of the lineup, that was one of your best lines, right? Um, But I think that line was arguably the Jets' best line tonight. And obviously, a lot of comments you know, in the chat about how, you know, the fourth line might have been used too much. Look, I mean, Nick Ehlers was good tonight. Um, I thought Vlad Nemestikov had a really strong game. And, you know, guys, we have to spend more time talking about, you know, how the defense stepped up in the ab- absence of Josh Morrissey. It was really impressive. You know, it, it, it could have, the game could have gone a completely different direction with your top defenseman out of the lineup. Um you know, I thought Nate Schmidt stepped up in a big way, obviously playing more minutes 
Uh, Dylan Sandberg, he drew the penalty in the third period. I mean, nobody should be surprised the way Dylan Sandberg, um, you know, played tonight because he's been solid all year long. So I thought, you know, that was another positive, Drew. If we're looking for, you know, another positive in addition to the penalty kill, it's the Jets' defense stepping up in a big way with Josh Morrissey out of the lineup, even though they didn't get the extra point in overtime. Well, so you talk about Morrissey. So Morrissey played seven minutes and 17 seconds before he was injured. According to Jets head coach Rick Bonus, lower body, as we all expect. We all saw the shot. Uh, he'll be reevaluated status for Saturday up in the air. Time will tell on that front. But the minutes, of course, have to be spread out accordingly. So Neil Pionk, 26 minutes and 50 seconds. Dylan DeMello, 25-43. Brendan Dillon, 25-30. Dylan Sandberg, 20 minutes, 48 seconds. And Nate Schmidt, 18-36. So of course, all those extra minutes had to be eaten somehow. And it was a by-committee approach, as you would expect for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, you know, obviously, we don't know what uh, Josh Morrissey's status is going to be on Saturday. We'll find that out Saturday morning, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, 9 a.m. More details on that, of course, uh, during the, the morning skate on Saturday. But for the Jets, you know, the 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 break is coming at an op at an opportune time given how banged up they are. This is a team, every team in the league goes through injuries. This is a team that needs those week to 10 days off. Well, and that was before Morrissey left the game, right, Drew? Right. Like, I mean, if and, and I mean Dave posts all of you know the Jets scrums on on illegalcurve.com and if you kind of read more into bones comments dave today i mean it does i mean look at i mean i i don't think you want to overanalyze you know rick bonus's comments but it didn't exactly give you like a, a good feeling that shifley and velarde were both going to be back in the lineup on saturday right and and then you have to ask yourself like do you really need to bring these guys back before the all-star break when you have a comfortable uh cushion in first place like the, the Avalanche, I believe, are two points back now. I haven't checked the standings recently. The Jets have two games in hand, right? Or maybe one game in hand. But the, the reality is the, the Avalanche are knocking on the Jets' door, right, Dave? So you have to ask yourself, you know, if you're, you know, the Jets, Rick Bonus, the coaching staff, Shifley, Velarde, do, do, do you want to risk something in the last game? So, I mean, right now it, you kind of lean towards those guys aren't going to play. Mm -hmm. But if Morrissey can't also play, uh, I mean, that would be devastating. But the Jets did a pretty good job tonight without – you know, three of their best players in the lineup. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Drew just went over the ice times. Neil Pionk was fantastic tonight. I mentioned Nate Schmidt. You know, he usually doesn't play 20 minutes. Same thing with Sanford. Neil Pionk was fantastic until the overtime winner. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, but, you know, that's that's not – look, and we can talk about the overtime winner because we are in the midst of the Betway game recap, Dave, and it's the only goal. It's also the, the only goal we have to talk right. about, Drew. Look, it, it, it's not – a as much a bad play by Pionk as it is an amazing play by Nick Robertson. I mean, it, you know, P that, that's a set play where he Wait, goes did up you just the get in, are we Are we into it now? The, yeah, we can get into it. Uh, I th well, I thought we were still talking. I mean, we were still talking. I mean, the only thing I was going to, I just want to add to Ezzy's, the point Ez was just making in terms of guys coming back is, you know, look, uh, Gabe Velarde's from Kingston. Mark Shively's from Kitchener. I thought if they were going to try and get him back, if they are going to try to get into mm -hmm. a game, It'd be in a game in Toronto in their home market, where they're from. Good chance for these guys to play in front of friends and family. We already heard about Cole Perfetti playing like, I think he had 50 people in the in the building tonight. So that to me was the, would there be an impetus to get those guys a little bit rushed? They didn't do that, which yeah. again is a smart play because as Rick Bonus has talked about numerous times, you don't want to rush these guys. You don't want to do anything that's going to cause uh, any sort of setback. So ultimately... You're not going to rush them. And and look, Weber wrote about it. 
Shifley and not expecting him till February. And as as he says, that'll be the Pittsburgh game. I think that's February 6th. Uh, of course, you can listen to the Illegal Curve postgame show and make sure you stay tuned to IllegalCurve.com. We'll have all the latest news and Jets notes for you. Although the Moose right now are currently down 2-1. I think they gave up a power play goal. So unfortunate news for in Moose land. But what I was going to say is, so to me, you're not, you're, are you going to rush them back for Saturday's game when you can give them a break? I don't think so. I think what you do is you let, and unless they're ready, if they're ready. But let's put it this way. David Gustafson's been on IR. I think he's been ready. You know, <laughs> uh, so, so you can keep guys on IR even if they're ready. Look, like Spencey. Yeah, well, Spencey's, I think, permanently on IR right now. But you're, you're right, David. Look, if, 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 you're, if, it means, if you're taking the risk, and it might mean that they're out for an extra week or two, it's not worth it just for the one game. When Shifley was wearing the regular jersey today, I thought there was a chance he might play today, given, like you said, the proximity and everything else. But the Jets are you've, – you've earned all these points so that you can err on the side of caution. That's why the Jets are. It's important for the Jets to be doing what they're doing because they've earned the right to be able to be cautious with players returning from injury. Because you don't need to win on January 24th. You want to be healthy to win in April and May and June and so on. Going back to the the game-winning goal, and we can jump around a bit if you want. Uh, you know, you, we, if there's other parts of the game if you want to discuss, by all means, go for it. The game-winning goal, 37 seconds to go in overtime. It's Austin Matthews, his 39th of the year, assist to Morgan Riley and Nick Robertson. And it starts with a great defensive play by Nick Robertson. It's, you know, it's off the Jets. Finally, the, the overtime gets to three on three because the Jets had the power play at four on three. Then the power play ended. So it was four on four. And then it was a while until there was a whistle. But Nick, you know, Neil Pionk, this, it's a set play to go up the middle there to try and, you know, stretch the defense and everything else. And Nick Robertson just makes a fantastic play to knock it down out of the air and that leads to sort of the chaotic situation in the Jets zone and the Jets come back and they make a good defensive play to sort of prevent that what looked like a simple opportunity the puck goes to the sidewall Lowry's fighting and then just a little bit lazy of a play uh, by Nikolai Ehlers and I don't want to you know I don't want to shame Ehlers for this one he just doesn't tie up Austin Matthews stick and the puck it goes right in front of Matthews and he sort of just almost chips it past Brassois chips it through Brassois. There's nothing pretty about it. It's, in fact, quite ugly, but it's effective for the Toronto Maple Leafs who end up getting the two points that they really didn't deserve uh, given the tenor of their play for the majority of the game. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, look at, I mean, we talked about the chances that the Jets had on the power play in overtime. Forget all the chances they had throughout the first three periods, right? And, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think you know, at that point in the game, yes. I mean, is Ehlers, uh, is his coverage a little bit soft on Austin Matthews? Yes. You made a good point, though, Drew. I mean, like, that play doesn't happen unless Nick Robertson, you know, make, causes that turnover, right? So, again, I mean, I don't know how much you can overanalyze it because I think what's the most frustrating, if you're the Jets or a Jets fan, is that what did Austin Matthews really do throughout the course of that game? I mean, he, he was out there, obviously, on the first power play unit for the Leafs, um, but he was pretty invisible for the majority of the game, right? Um, for a guy who's on pace to score, what, what is he on pace for, 75 goals or something ridiculous like that? I mean, he's one of the best goal, goal scorers in the league. So all it takes is, you know, Nikolai Ehlers is a step too slow, Dave, and then, you know, Austin Matthews makes you pay in overtime. So, um, you know, again, I don't know if a lot of Jets fans want us to spend too much time because that was really the only uh, 
the only thing that happened in that game that you're really unhappy about if you're a Jets fan, in addition to all the chances that they squandered and all the great saves that Samsonov made. So um, look at when it's 0-0 in overtime and there's a lot of you know extra ice, skilled players like Austin Matthews can hurt you, right, Dave? Yeah, there, there's no question about it. And I guess, again, if you're looking at a positive, the PK continues to, to play well. And you did kill all the power play opportunities for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And as we've talked about, there were numerous. There were a lot of power play opportunities. So the PK continues to play well. Laurent Brassois had another strong game. I mean, you've got to give him credit. Even though, like I said, he didn't face a ton of shots. And Drew, you outlined, I think, two high danger chances at five on five. He still, I thought, made a couple, he made some nice saves. Even though if they weren't high danger, he still made ch- saves through screens that I thought he picked up real well. So I thought Lauren Brassois had a nice game for the Jets. And like I said, th- there's definitely guys who need to step up. I mean, Rasmus Kupari, I understand. that 20 games, one assist. You've got to start to do something. You've got to, you can't just be on the ice, can't be a body. So you've got to start to be able to produce. I mean, that's, and again, we've talked, I don't want to go on the drought too much. But you've got to start to, you know, again, defensively, I thought the team was excellent. And I thought there were a number of plays where I saw commitment to defensive structure by this team, the collapse, the aggressiveness, that was impressive. Uh, I think specifically in the third period, the Jets lost the puck. Four guys were going back to get that puck to to ensure that they didn't lose it or to get it back. So I I liked the defensive structure. I liked the commitment. I thought defensively, again, this team continues to play well. To me, it's just a question of you need guys to step up. You need that offense. Well, you know, I see our buddy Joe Piscucci in the chat, and they great to see Joe, of course. Uh, and he's talking about the Jets' power play. Uh, I'm sorry, Dave, you're giving me a, a finger. That question point. was actually directed at me, boys. So, Drew, I'll take that one. Just kidding. Okay. But- I, I, I no. Let me just hold on. I got to tell because Joe Piscucci, uh, because of Joe, we had a good story. So Hudson Elenuk, who plays for the Chicago Wolves, the team I was, of course, doing colored with Daniel Fink yesterday. His dad, of course, Pat Ellen. Pat Ellen. You know, the Winnipeg Jet 1.0. And so um, Joe told the story about when Mario Lemieux scored his 50th goal, Pat Ellen had five points in a ga- in the game. And so he wore a, and I guess Barry Shankro back in the day used to give guys a tie if they had a successful, you know, did something really good. So Shankro gave Pat Ellen a tie and he, Pat Ellen would wear that tie when he was in a slump to try and break him out of that slump. So, um, Dan Fink told me that he was talking to uh, Jeremy Shaver, I think is his name, who's the play-by-play voice of the Chicago Wolves, and he told me that Hudson Elenuk, who's mired in a, let's say, 13-game goal streak, was wearing his dad Pat's tie given to him by Barry Shankro, and we all know about that courtesy of Joe Piscucci. That's a great story, Dave. That is well done. That's that's the kind of story you need to bring to the, uh, the table more often. But what I was going to say, and yeah, Dave, that's Drew. That's Dave's first good story in years. Years by far. I mean, he's got Dave. Dave's usually not the one who, who brings on many. That was a good one, Dave. Yeah. What I was going to say though about the Jets' power play, you know, they, they rejigged the power play units, but they didn't get an opportunity. So they practiced with the you know the rejigged units and everything else, and that had Morrissey and Pionk together on the same you know call it PP one, call it PP two, whatever you want. They they were each going to they're going to go with a two defensemen, three forward setup, but they of course didn't get a chance to actually do that because of the Morrissey injury. So again. The power play was disappointing for the Jets, no question about it. But again, it was sort of a makeshift, uh, put-together-on-the-fly sort of situation, different than what they had practiced because of the Morrissey injury. But look, 
four on three in overtime, when you have that, you have to take advantage of that. So that's certainly uh, the power play continues to be an area of concern for the Jets as a. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, with Josh Morrissey out of the lineup, you're right, Drew. It, it, you do have to make, you know, on-the-fly adjustments. I've said this to you guys before, though, and, and I mean, I think I'm not the only one. Um, you know, I'd like to see more of Cole Perfetti on the top power play unit, right? Like, I, I think with his vision, you know, the, the way he can shoot the puck, the way he can distribute the puck, um, I thought the power play looked good, but the difference, there's a big difference between looked good and, you know, actually showing goals on the board, right? So I think that, you know... I, I thought is... it was predictable. I thought it was predictable and slow again. Even at four on three, we were talking about one of the... Uh, I don't know if it was Ehlers who had the chance or it was Connor who had the chance, Dave. And Lowry is not taking away Samsonov's eyes. He He's in position for a rebound, but the way Samsonov was playing tonight, and it's hard to believe I'm talking about Ilya Samsonov when I say this, but so be it. You know, if taking away his eyes is what you needed to do. He was saving everything that he could see in tonight's game. And so when the Jets are positioned for the rebound or they're on the side and they're waiting for something to happen on, on the ricochet, it's just not the approach that they needed to take, I thought, tonight. You need to take away his eyes, and it had to be a greasy, ugly goal because Samsonov was feeling himself, uh, and I don't mean that in a dirty way at all. Uh, yeah, no, fair enough. Sorry to everybody at Boston yeah, who heard yeah. that. Yeah, I think you're good, Drew. I don't think anybody was listening to us, thankfully, even though we're on the big screen. But uh, no, fair enough, Drew. I think Samsonov was seeing a lot of the shots. And, I, and we've talked about this before. I mean, with the amount of skill the Jets have on their power play, and that's without Kyle Connor, pardon me, without Mark Shifley and Gabe Velarde. Um, so when Shifley and Velarde are in the lineup, obviously, you know, those are two weapons that you don't, you didn't have tonight. Um, I still want to see more being more situations where the Jets are working it down low. I mean, there's a lot of tonight, you know, Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers circling back at the point, waiting for Adam Lowry to get in front of the net, maybe get a rebound or maybe, maybe tip it in. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that, you know, the Winnipeg Jets right now, there, there are other problems that they're dealing with namely the injuries, but I think the power play is just something that I, quite honestly, I don't know, you know, what else we can say because how many times do we say the same things? It's slow and predictable. There's not a lot of movement. And then if the Jets' power play is succeeding, we're saying that, oh, it was much quicker. I mean, the Jets were doing a good job of do, kind of doing their, when the Jets' power play is the most successful, they're doing their Harlem Globetrotter uh, impression, right? And, you know, they're kind of, uh, you know, cycling the puck in the offensive zone. So, uh, yeah, you'd like to have scored a power play goal. And obviously the Leafs would have liked to score a power play goal on their five opportunities. So to answer Joe Piscucci's question, I thought it looked, uh, I'd give it a six out of 10 tonight. Six out of 10. As he's, as he's, a, as, as he's a, a nice grader, I would say, based on that evaluation. But that's okay, as he's a nice guy altogether. I have a question for you. Is this the Jets' first time they've been shot out this year? I guess no, no Philadelphia no, no. on the Saturday night. And they lost, and uh, there was a game early, Dallas 2 nothing on the Saturday afternoon. Like way back. Uh, it was like, it was in November. It was a 2 nothing okay. Dallas win. So what do we do for the Seagram shot of the game? I honestly don't know. Well, you know. well for, the, for the record, we can get, the shot of the game doesn't have to go to a Jets player. It can go I know to, it doesn't, but I can't give it to Austin Matthews for that. I mean, well, I, Okay, so you know what? I mean, I think I speak for everyone in Boston Pizza and everyone watching the show. Give it to Rasmus Kupari in that fantastic shot. <laughs> into, into into the into the crest of Ilya Samsonov. You're talking about the two-on-one that the Jets had in the third period, where Kupari and I, I'm not sure who came who, who was on the on his left side, 
It was Baron. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Phyllis. Phyllis is here helping us out. By the way, more importantly, I forget about the, the shot of the game should actually go to Phyllis for driving all the way from her yeah. morning to come be here in uh, Winnipeg with us at Boston Pizza. So, okay, let me. The Seagram shot of the game. The shout out of the game, not the shot of the game, but the shout out of the game goes to our friend Phyllis, who who made the effort. The weather is we're getting warm here in Manitoba, mm-hmm. but it was the roads were a little sloppy. But Phyllis didn't uh, let that bother her. She here. made Phyllis every come on camera here, over so, here. Uh, you can you can come say hi to everybody. There you go. There's Phyllis. There she there, is. Let me get my mic out of the way there for a second. There we go. Drew's never sounded so good. Thank you, Phyllis. Phyllis, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on air, but after Naomi and I got married, my wife Naomi and I got married, we went to Morden and stayed at uh, Bella's Castle. So Morden's a great town. Minnewasta Golf Course is very underrated. And obviously great people in Morden. Great people everywhere in Manitoba. Um, But yes, we appreciate that very much, Phyllis, that you drove down here. Yes. There you go. It's a, we're having a party here at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue. We're going to do it again. And it's a party. We're being heckled by Jordan Farber here. I'm not sure if we have security. Yeah, um, we need some security. It's, it, we got, we, we, it's, it's a chaotic scene, but it's a fun scene. Reminder, the next time we're live on location, Thursday, February 29th. An event so big, it can only happen once every four years. The Illegal Curve Leap Day Party. Thursday, February 29th, the Jets and the Dallas Stars. Got a lot of post-game shows, of course, before then, but that's the next time we're live on location well, back here at Boston Pizza. At, at Boston Pizza, yes, but I'm going to talk to our friends at Farmery on Friday, maybe doing one down there as well. So uh, we may have another one before that, but the next one at Boston Pizza, as Drew's touching on, is at the end of next month. But uh, we'll get there when we get there. All righty. There you go. It's been a fun night. Uh, we got much more to come still. We're live here at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue. All of you joining us on the post-game show, wherever you may be joining us on all of our social media platforms. Let's uh, go to our break when we come back more on tonight's uh, Leafs 1-0 victory over the Jets. Drew Mendel, Ezra Ginsberg. We got Dave Manouk. Spencey's here. Phyllis is here. Greg is here. Doug's here. Everybody's here. Make some noise, everybody. There you go. It's the Illegal Curve post game show live at Boston Pizza. Your coworkers love you because you always make them laugh. You're the life of the party with stories that have them rolling on the floor. Or maybe you're just the quiet one in the corner with the one liners that just slay. Do you have what it takes to become Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job? Try your luck. Hit the stage at Rumors Comedy Club and you could be walking away with $1,000 cash. Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job. Presented by Rumors. For all the details, head to RumorsComedyClub.com. You guys ever wish for a game changer in life? Like finding out your favorite snack has zero calories? Or discovering the mute button on Ezzy? Picture this, a secret weapon for parking, where you can book a spot a whole month in advance. Tell me more, Drew. Pre-book your parking at really low rates, or maybe even for free, if you use the code ILLEGALCURVE. Free? What is this, sorcery? The Grid Park app. It's a real secret weapon that has affordable game day parking, and to sweeten the deal even more... I love sweets. Our listeners can use the code illegal curve to park for free. Holy Zamboni. 
Tell me about it. Just download Grid Park, G-R-Y-D Park, and use the code Illegal Curve, all one word, to park for free. The game can change ah! just like that. Accidents happen when you aren't protected. So now what? Getting to your injury quickly can make all the difference. Help prevent them from being game changers with Linden Market Dental Center. Bonding, crowns, bridges, and dental implants. State-of-the-art treatments are available to help you get back in the game. To learn more, visit LindenMarketDentalCenter.com. Creating smiles for life. This January at Boston Pizza, every day is Pasta Tuesday. That means BP's famous pastas start at just $11.99 every single day. Create your own or go gourmet for just a few bucks more. Come on in for Pasta Tuesday pricing any day. Only this January at Boston Pizza. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos! Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rollies and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit Rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at Rollies.com. For three generations and over 80 years, Tough Duck has been making apparel that works and plays as hard as the people who wear it. From jackets to work boots and everything in between, Tough Duck's clothing can handle the harshest environments, even the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Work to live, live to play. Visit toughduck.com. Wednesday evening, we're back at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue. We're back wherever you may be joining us from. The Illegal Curve post-game show rolls on. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg, tons of our friends and family here with us. Great night. Including wild rabbit animals like Spency, who somehow get let in to buildings, even though I'm not sure why, but that's okay. He's got a heart of gold, folks. So, uh, and 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 hair that I would die that I would kill for. But uh, nonetheless, uh, here's a comment, a post game comment uh, from tonight's game. Look, when you see a, a professional athlete really going through the struggles, it, it can get really sort of painful to watch. A guy like Ilya Samsonov who couldn't save a beach ball for a long a long part of the season. He went away. He came back. He's been playing better. Uh, this was his comment. On, you know, He got a standing ovation, and they were chanting his name in Toronto tonight, and he said he almost started to cry because of how emotional he was about that. So, look, from a Jets fan perspective, you don't like that he they got goalied, but from a human perspective, you probably have to be okay with how uh, Ilya Samsonov and the response that he had Here's what Lauren Prasois had to say post-game about uh, Ilya Samsonov. He said this to Ken Weave, of course. You got to tip your cap. He played really well. I knew we were in trouble after he made the 2-on-0 save. The crowd got into it. You could tell he was starting to feel it. Got to be happy for him after what he went through. That's Jets goaltender Lauren Prasois talking about Ilya Samsonov. So that's uh, very altruistic of the Jets goaltender and very... Uh, a very kind response from the Jets goaltender in in, the, in that case. Yeah, and, and I mean, Drew, you know this, right? You were a former goaltender in the Jewish Students Association Floor Hockey League. 
exact same thing as we got uh, Bruce, uh, you know, behind us here at Boston Pizza, and now he's beside Drew. Um, I mean, the goaltending world—it's a fraternity, right? Like these guys know. No, I don't care what anybody says, unless you're like mortal enemies with another goaltender. You don't like to see a goaltender who used to be a bona fide number one goaltender struggling. And Ilya Samsonov was pretty good for the Leafs last year. I'm not saying that, you know, he should have been in the Vesna conversation, but um, yeah, you're right, Drew. He was awful. It, just look at the goal save above expected. I mean, a stat that we all like to, you know, use as showing that Connor Hellebuck's the best goalie in the world, right? So I, I think, yes. I mean, Jets fans, I don't think are going to be overly excited for Ilya Samsonov, but I think, you know, if you want to, uh, if you want to, uh, you know, really just put that aside for a second, I think you like to see any goaltender, you know, who who's been struggling, you know, with his play on the ice, have a good performance, right, Dave? So, um, yeah, in that sense, you know, good for Samsonov, but obviously, you know, Jets fans, I don't think are going to now run to the, you know, uh, NHL store and start buying Ilya Samsonov jerseys. No, I, I don't think they should. They'd probably be well advised not to. I mean, like it's a good story, and you're. Like you said, Drew, it's a human interest story. So I guess folks in Toronto can be happy. I'll probably be happy when this series is over. I'm happy it's a it's a two-game quick set. I mean, it means a lot of prolonged. I'm sure the arena is going to be obnoxious on Saturday. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. But, you know, like I said, thankfully the Jets only face the Leafs twice a year because it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun when you have to uh, see the, uh, the level of content that is created out of uh, Toronto and some of the stuff that is going on. But like I said, it, when it's over, then we then, then you get to focus on teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Philadelphia Flyers. And, and as Mikey McIntyre po- pointed out, a lot of Eastern teams, right? I mean, this is what, nine straight, not obviously they were into that stretch, but they have nine straight against Eastern Conference teams. So a bit of an unusual quirk in the schedule for the Jets. But I mean, we, we discussed it. There were until they lost to the Bruins in regulation, they were undefeated in regulation. Now they're, what are they, 13-1 and 4 against the East or something, something like that? Like that. So. Yeah. A, a, a good record, whatever whatever exact, whatever the exact number is, it's a good record. Uh, the Jets get shut out tonight in, uh, down in Toronto. Uh, the other Winnipeg-based team was also in action. Dave will give us a quick update on what happened there. Put on your antlers, it's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. As folks know, I was here, of course, watching the Jets game with all of you, so, or not necessarily all of you, because you're in the, you're somewhere in the internet, maybe in Winnipeg, maybe elsewhere, but there were a lot of you here, and now I'm, so I was watching the Jets game, didn't get a chance to watch the Moose game, of course, uh, did see that Christian Reichel scored his sixth of the year, nice pass from Parker Ford, so that tied the game for the Moose in the second period. But unfortunately for the Mooseys, Isaac Radcliffe scored uh, in the third period to give the Chicago Wolves a 2-1 lead, and that would be the final score in the game. So the Manitoba Moose hit a, well, they continue, unfortunately, for them. The Jets had a free, uh, uh, freakishly long streak of uh, games without giving up more than 33 goals, which we know ended at game 34. <laughs> the Moose is the opposite. They now have the longest losing streak of a AHL club or IHL club uh, in Winnipeg. They are now at, I believe, 11 with uh, 0, 10, and 1. And, of course, that 1 was the overtime loss to the Grand Rapids Griffins during this stretch on Friday night. So uh, three straight for Manitoba. That's tough for them right now. They're going through a tough stretch. But I will say, Thomas Millich, he got his start, and it sounds like 
from what Daniel and Anthony and the guys who cover the moves today were saying. He had a really good game. And Brad Lambert, he played his first game since, I think, January 10th or 11th. So uh, they got him back into the lineup. That's good. He was playing with Jeff Malott and Nikita Chibrikov. And uh, like I said, we'll see. The Moose now are off tomorrow. They travel on Thursday, and I believe they're into Chicago, and they're going to continue this stretch. And we talk about the, Mo- the Jets as he playing a big stretch against the Eastern Division, or Eastern Conference, sorry. The Moose are playing a lot against the Central, and now the playoffs are looking more and more remote. But if they're going to do anything, they got to do it right now in this stretch of games. There you go. And a quick version of the Manuk Moose Minute on this Wednesday night as we're live here at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue and, of course, on all of our streaming platforms. We'll wrap up the post-game show like we do each and every night. It's time for the Tough Duck hardest-hitting comment. The Tough Duck hardest-hitting comment. I think we should probably just give it to Phyllis because she won the Seagram shot of the game. Not even for a comment, just because Phyllis drove from Morden. I think we should just give Phyllis all of the giveaways. Like, the future giveaways should just all go to Phyllis. Lots of good comments, obviously, not only online, but here at Boston Pizza Taylor, so we appreciate that. Um, I got a couple queued up here, Drew. You know what? I'm going to give it to... I like this comment. There was a, a few good ones, but I'm going to you know, just randomly go with this one here. We're going to give it to... Deep Phil 86. Not sure what that name means, but I like it. So goddamn tired of being goalied by teams with mediocre goaltending who has a great night. Tired of Appleton missing the chance. Again, sick of giving up a goal with less than a minute to go. I kind of like that because I think it kind of... Deep, deep Phil is deep into their emotions well, it, on that with I that mean, comment. The Jets could have easily won this game. They could have easily scored four or five goals in the first period. And I think, you know, that was just one of those games where, you know, after the end of it, you just, even though you're happy with the chances that the Jets got and you're happy with the way Lauren Brassois played, you didn't get two points. You only got one. So deep fill 86, you get the tough duck, hardest hitting comment. Send me an email, Ezra at illegalcurve.com or slide into my DMs on Twitter at ICSEG and tough duck will ship out a toque to you, even though it's a little milder outside right now. You still need a toque. It's still, still late January, for, right? For us, so. for us baldos, we still need a toque even when it's yeah. it's mild out. You know, it gets a little bit chilly otherwise. Uh, there you go. Congratulations. Drew, when you were, by the way, just so you know, when you weren't here earlier in the – when Ezzy and I got here nice and early, for the record, Drew a little tardy to the party. People were saying – My wife and, and I, kids were here earlier. That's true. I mean, this, but is, what I, this has been a four-hour night. But what I was saying was that people were saying, where's Baldy? That's the nicest thing anyone's and the weirdest, ever told me. And the, and the weirdest part was it was Drew's parents – Tannis and Sheldon. <laughs> That's right. But my parents and my aunt and uncle are like, hey, where's the bald guy that we call son and, and nephew? And, you know, I didn't even tell you about this yet, but I had a good conversation with Sheldon slash dad in the bathroom. He asked me, he goes, do you he, work in the he sport? Asked you, who are you? <laughs> yeah. Who are you and why are you talking to me in a men's room right now, sir? Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was nice to catch up with Sheldon in the, the male bathroom. Uh, but yeah, just awesome turnout. And as Drew mentioned, we're going to be back here in you know, just over a month. That's Who do right. they play on that uh, Leap, leap Dallas. Day game? It's a Dallas. Dallas. Th- it's okay. a Thursday night against yeah. Dallas in Dallas. That's, of course, a Leap Day, February 29th, the next Illegal Curve party that you can look forward to. Spencey, put it in your calendar. Greg, put it in your calendar. Everybody, put it in your calendar. Phyllis, put it in your calendar. February 29th, we're back here at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue. Uh, you we're going to wrap- physical calendar. I still keep a physical calendar at home. Like, I know everybody does the iCal. I still like to have one in the kitchen. 
As if we got a very important question. Ruben, did Ruben have spaghetti or pizza? He actually had a hamburger and fries. And then he had, for dessert, he had the uh, worms and dirt. You know that dessert? Where it's like the little worms and the chocolate dirt? Yeah. Need it's not mic. real dirt, just for, the, just for the record. It's it's not real dirt and it's not real worms. Just, you know, so you see everyone's clear on oh, it's that. It's gummy worms and chocolate. Yeah, I know what it is. I just want to make sure that everyone else knows what it is. You're not feeding your kid I know, worms I, and dirt. I think that's the that's our cue to wrap it up. Probably we want to say a big thank you uh, to all of our sponsors uh, who make the post game show a possibility. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club. Calvin Evans is at Rumors tonight through Saturday night. Limited tickets available. Get them at RumorsComedyClub.com. Saturday night, if you're looking for a place to park downtown or anytime, if you're looking for a place to park, that's use our friends at Grid Park. Use code Illegal Curve to park for free. Linden Market Dental Center will help you with all of your dental related problems. Zapia Group Realty, they'll help you sell your house. Betway, they'll help you place a bet. Tough Duck, they'll keep your head warm. Boston Pizza, they'll keep you nice and nourished. And if you choose to have a libation or two, like so many of us, around this table. They will keep you in stock on that front. Seagram's will do something very similar, of course. And of course, Rolly's transfer, they'll move your carcass from spot to spot as needed after uh, too many imbibing at various locations. And of course, Farmery Beer. I don't know, do we? I, I'm sensing a pattern when it comes to some of our sponsors, but that's okay. We appreciate all their support. We appreciate all their love. And we appreciate all of you who've joined us live at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue. There you go. The love from all these fine people. Uh, the love from, I, I guess Bruce is going to start doing card tricks now. I'm really con confused as to what the hell's happening. But it's our time to go. Uh, when the card tricks are coming out, it's time for us to go at that point. Thank you for joining us here. Everyone joining us online. We're next to action Saturday. 9 a.m. with the Illegal Curve Hockey Show ahead of the Jets and the Leafs. And, of course, IllegalCurve.com is all your latest Winnipeg Jets news, audio, everything to do with the Winnipeg Jets. For Dave Manouk, for Ezra Ginsberg, for Bruce, for Joe from Winnipeg, for Spency, for Greg, for Phyllis, for the whole cast of characters, wherever they may be. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Joe from Winnipeg's over there. Thanks to everyone for Darwin was here earlier. For everyone, thanks very much for joining us. This has been the Illegal Curve Post Game Show. Until Saturday at 9 a.m., we wish you good night and good luck. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.